I just felt from the Lord that there are some of you that hear this echo, that part that we repeated, that we repeated again and again that you came, um, and you hear this echo and it sounds as if it's distorted, like you're underwater and you can't quite understand what's being said. You hear it as if you're Lazarus still behind the rock in the tomb, but you, what you need to realize is, is that the stone has been rolled away. You are no longer trapped in the darkness. You can actually see the light. Step out of the tomb. Shake off your grave clothes, open up your eyes, and see, look up. Some of you also hear it in unbelief, as if this can't possibly be true for you, like it's too good to be true, as if we don't know how long we have all been dead in transgressions. But he says, I am good, I am kind, I am faithful, I am always. I have love for you that cannot begin, that you cannot begin to comprehend. I have grace for you that covers every transgression. So step out. Step out of the tomb, step into the light, hear this echo, and make it your own. Genevieve and Corinne a lecture on being kind to one another. <laughs> and, um, so he fell off my bed and he ran around the bed and he was crying and, and I thought he was crying really hard for, um, he's fallen off my bed before many times. <laughs> um, and so he was crying really hard. So I'm holding him and I'm still talking to them and he starts having a seizure. And um, I knew it. His, his eyes start rolling back in his head and he's arching his back and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Um, Curran has had a seizure before too um, when he had a high fever. And, but I had never seen like, you know, I knew had, Fallon had hit his head and um, I had never seen that happen. Um, my dad has had head trauma and seizures from that. But um, anyway, so he's having the seizure and I'm, I just, I'm just panicking, and I'm walking around. I'm trying to find the phone, and I just don't know what to do. I know what to do if you have a seizure and your child has a high fever. Um, but I didn't know what to do, and I'm just like, God, 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 please, please help him. Please help him. Please help him. 
And so I laid him on the floor, and I remembered my chiropractor telling me that she had adjusted her daughter when she had fallen off the bed. And so he's just limp in my arms, and he's barely breathing, and his face is going gray. And so I adjusted his back, and I picked him up, and he's just not moving. And I'm, and I'm watching, watching my baby die in my arms. And, and I laid him on the bed, and, sorry, I laid him on the bed, and I said, God, I can't do this, please help me. And he reminded me of these dreams that I had had. Come on. Of Helen, and in the dreams, he's drowning, and I can't, I can't get to him in time, I can't, like, I get him out, but I can't tell if he's alive. And Cameron had a dream like that um, just recently, and I thought, we need to pray into this. We need to pray over him that this would be prevented. Yeah. And God brought that memory back to me as I'm looking at him, and he's, his face is gray, his lips are gray, and he's just lying there on my bed. And I, okay, evil. And I said out loud, evil, you have no place here. Come on. And then I just went back to, just back to God, please help him. And he started breathing normally. Yeah. Very, very soon after that. <laughs> and and, um, and I still wasn't sure um, if he was paralyzed or not. Um, my dad said that there is lag time between an injury and the effects of the injury. And, um, but when you got home, he was starting to speak, and about five minutes, ten minutes later, he was Amen. speaking, and he was just really tired, and, and God saved my baby boy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this is Fallon, for those who don't know. Um, I think the biggest thing was that, and, and then all through the night, I knew that, um, you know, I didn't want him to just, like, stop breathing and just die on me. Um... <laughs> But um, all through the night, you know, I wake up and I keep saying, there's no fear in love. And it wasn't a, Come on. in the past, it has been a, please let there not be any fear in Right, love. come on. And this, and this time, it was, I knew there was no fear in love and I loved him and God was loving him through me and there wasn't any fear there. Come on, that's so good. Anyway. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There's no fear in love. Perfect love Cast out fear. I've been talking <clears throat> for some weeks now about stewardship, about stewarding. And I uh, started a few, couple weeks ago. Last week I didn't get back into it. But about stewarding the seed of the Word of God. We see it in Mark 4, in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and in Luke uh, 8. We see the parable of the seed. And I want to talk some more about that today. In this uh, account of the parables in Mark chapter 4 and in and Matthew 13, this is the, the uh, most recorded teaching of Jesus in a single day. In these passages of Scripture, it's Jesus, and he teaches 10 parables. There's 10 parables recorded here in these passages of Scripture. And it's the, the most recorded Scripture of Je the uh, account of Jesus' teaching in a single day. 
And it talks, it's when, it's when it's familiar that he was at the Sea of Galilee and he got in the boat and he pushed a little away from the shore and he began to teach. And uh, in this teaching, he taught on the parable of the soils. In Mark uh, 4, he talks on the parable of the soils. And he said that it's imperative that you understand this parable because it, it, all the others hinge on it. Because it said the seed is the word of God. Are you with me? In Mark 4, he said the seed is the word of God. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says this. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it, it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He said, my word, wherever it's sent, it will prosper. The word of God will prosper. He said it, and in verse 10, he said, and it'll make, it talks about the rain coming down from heaven. It says, and it'll bring forth the bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And then he goes on to say, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. And I had no idea what uh, Rachel's testimony was. She said, she came up to me when Katie was given the, the word that she had. She said, I've got a testimony. I said, all right, don't let me forget it. And, uh, I had no idea what her testimony was, but she just illustrated my message. I can say amen, because she said that there's no fear in love. See, that wasn't just a head knowledge that she had. It had moved from her head to her heart that she could make that declaration over her child, because that's when faith is released, not when we're doubting, but when we agree, even when it doesn't look like what we want it to look like, that we stay. God, your word will not return to you void. It will prosper in the thing where until you send it. And I am your voice right now because you live in me, and I declare your word over my son, my daughter, my whatever. I declare your word, and God, you promised that your word would bring forth fruit, that your word will prosper. It will not just fall, be in fallow ground and do nothing, that your, your word will bring forth harvest. That's the word of God. I'm telling you, I, there's other things I want to say, but I can't get past this because I feel that in the church, the word of God has lost its power. I'm sorry. In the church, not out there, but in the church. And what do you mean by that? Because I, I've seen in my own life the parallels of the parable of the soils. And I've seen that when we hear the word of God and we receive it gladly and we go, man, this is good. And then we don't meditate on that word. We don't take it from here, that 18 inch journey from here to here. And we walk out and it's snatched away from us. And we couldn't even tell you what the word was. There was life in that word. His word will not return to him void. It will prosper wherever he sends it. So we know there's not a problem with the word. We know there's not a problem. It's good seed. It's good seed. And it has to be placed in good soil. And uh, Hebrews chapter 4, 11 and 12 says this. And uh, it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. A few weeks ago, when I started talking about this, I, I told you I was mowing the yard, doing that spiritual thing, mowing my lawn, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, to the extent that you rest in my word is the extent of the harvest that you'll receive. You remember that? Maybe not. You see, the, Lord, the devil snatched it right out of you, see? <laughs> 
But he said, to the extent that you rest will be the extent of harvest you receive off of that seed, that you just go, God, I know that your word is true, that you can't lie, nor you're not a man that you should repent, nor the son of uh, the man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. So God, I trust your word. I bury it in my heart, and I know that your word will bring forth harvest. I, I don't dig that seed up every week when I don't see the fruit start growing. But he said this, that verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of di disobedience. He was talking about the children of Israel, said they had a promise, but they didn't mix faith with it, so they didn't inherit. They didn't mix faith with the word, and so they didn't inherit what God had promised them. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This word here for word, the, the Greek word is logos, where he said, for the word, the logos of God is living. We saw last week in John uh, chapter one, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. It's Jesus. It, it's, John is emphatic in saying that Jesus is the Logos. He's that manifested Word of God who came and lived among us. And it's so sad. Paul had such a burden for Israel because they didn't see Jesus as Messiah. They, they thought of him as a prophet. And you know, the reality is this, if he was not the Son of God, he was a false prophet. He couldn't just be a good prophet and not be the Son of God because of the claims that he made. Are you with me? So there's no way to sidestep that. Either he's the son of God, who he said he is, or he's a, a heretic and he's a false prophet. Because when he came, he said he constantly referred to God as his father. Do you understand? He was the first one to reveal to Israel that God is father. That was what he came to do, was to reveal that we have a father, that we're no longer orphans, we're no longer fatherless, that we have a father who loves us. That's what Jesus came to reveal and Jesus is the Word. He's the Logos, the written, the revealed Word of God. And then in the Greek, there's also the word rhema, which is a speaking Word of God. In Ephesians, chapter, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, again, this is the Logos. He said, in Him you also trusted after you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, you, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So he said, it's the word of God that gets us born again. That makes sense, right? Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, don't marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. You must be born again. It's the word of God, that seed of Jesus planted on the inside of us that gives us a new spirit, that we get born again into the kingdom of God. And then there's, the, um, I want to read one more, a Logos word in, in the New Testament. James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25 Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted logos, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So he said this, lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. And some have even said your conscience. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So he said here that the implanted Word of God, the what word? Implanted Word of God. So how's it implanted? It's implanted when we get born again because Jesus is the one who gives us a new spirit. Are you with me? I don't, I don't want to take a stroll by myself. I want everybody to walk with me today. 
He said this, verse 22, be doers of the word, the logos, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Well, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately regret, uh, forgets, he regrets too, what kind of man he was. But he who, is, who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So what is he saying? He's saying when we get born again, God places his word through his son, Jesus, on the inside of us. And as we meditate upon that word, just like we water a seed that's planted in the ground, that seed begins to bring forth fruit. We don't have to struggle to get an orange tree to bring oranges. All we've got to do is put the seed in the ground, have good ground that it's planted in, water it, tend to it, get, keep the weeds away from it, and it itself, inside of the seed that you plant is the power for that orange to grow, that tree to grow and produce other oranges. And he said in Mark, and, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but I want to lay this foundation. He said that when you sow it in good ground, there's a, there's a return, always a return, sometimes 100, sometimes 60, sometimes 30. There's always a return when you plant the living word of God in good soil and you water it and you keep the weeds out. There's always a return. Not sometimes God doesn't have crop failure. He just doesn't. It's not who he is. He can't fail. Are you with me? So when we plant his seed, here's what's so amazing. Oh, Lord, I've got so much to say and so little time to do it. He said here in verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So this means that I've got to work for my salvation. No. What he's saying is when you got born again, God put something on the inside of you. And now that word is on the inside of me and we have the privilege of walking it out, of working it out. And, and that's what he's talking about here. Now, because if we just hear it and we don't make appropriate changes in our life, then all we become is religious. So what do you mean? Someone else can share a word that God revealed to you and you can make mental uh, acknowledgement of it. Oh yeah, that's a good word. But there's no life being released in your life. And that's what Rachel walked out. She, she knew those words. This time it wasn't, oh Lord, don't let there be any fear because love casts out. There was no perfect love. Cast out fear. See, I believe, I know for me personally, all right, just being transparent before you. For me personally, God's calling me back to that and saying, if my word says it, that settles it. Now, if you believe it, you can inherit the harvest, but it, you're believing it doesn't make my word so. Are you with me? Uh, I've heard it said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, God said it, that settles it. Period. Now, when I believe it and I act and I become a doer of the word, when I take the principles of the word of God and I apply them to my life, when it says love your neighbor, when I actually start loving my neighbor, who's your neighbor? The one who's nearby, not just the person who lives next door to you. You got neighbors in the building here. Wow. Can I get a witness? <laughs> so your neighbor is that one who is nearby. And as we begin to love those who are nearby, God says that his perfect love casts out all fear. He said, love never fails. And he's always calling us higher and higher and higher. And he'll use whoever. He uses my wife all the time to show me where I need to come higher and higher and higher. 
I mean that in love. I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean that seriously. We're dealing with a situation uh, with something. (laughs) And I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done with them. I'm just done. And she said, well, maybe we should pray for them and bless them. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) You want to do the word. (laughs) You want to act like the word is true and walk it out. Well, there you go. Just leave me in my... And just leave me. And I say, you know what? You're right. I repent. Lord, I apologize. Forgive me. Because my mindset was wrong because I was focused on me. I wasn't focused on being a doer of the word. Because I'm telling you, I really believe, especially in the day that we live in, if we believe the word, it's time that we stand on the word. No matter what it looks like, no matter what anyone else is saying, there's a time that we must stand on the word and know that God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent and change his mind. And as we stand on that word, the fruit, the harvest of that word will come. And it, we can't get around it. Jesus is that. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, and that sounds good when it's one we want to hear. ha, ha, ha. Wow, yeah. It sounds good when it's one we want to hear, like give and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Yes, Lord, let it be. But when he says, do good to those who despitefully use you, well, Lord, that don't feel good. That's not any fun. <laughs> Come on. It's not easy, but it's right. And it's that word, when we make a decision that, no, he said it's for the saving of our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotion. When we make a decision, God, here's what your word says. It could be about giving money financially. It could be about child rearing, anything. When we get to the place, well, I know that's what we used to do. That's what grandma and grandpa used to do, but that doesn't work today. So you're saying the seed of the word of God is now producing crop failure. I beg to differ. Is there ways that we can look at the word and go, how can I apply this to my life? It doesn't need to be done just the way it's always been done. But that's where the rhema comes in. That's where we go, I know, God, you said train up a child in the way she go, and he will not depart from it. So God, help me. Speak to me about how I can train my child. I don't want to make them me. I don't want to make them a clone. I want to develop them into everything that God wants them to be. But I know that here's what you said. Help me. And that's when God comes in with the rhema. That's when the Holy Spirit will speak and bring life to a scripture to you. But we can't get away from it in, in any area of our life. When we step away from truth and go, well, I know that's the way grandma and grandpa did. And I ain't talking about old time religion. I'm talking about the, the seed of the word of God. When we step away from it into something new that, that seems to be working for everyone else, we've still stepped away from the seed of the living God. Does that make sense? I read Psalms 139 this morning. As you continue, he said, I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. I can't get off of this. We're in America, we're coming to an election time. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, I could care less, but here's what I know. If you vote against the Bible, you've said my, my financial needs or my social needs are more important than the word of God. And any candidate says that it's okay to kill babies is walking against the word of God. Now, he said, if you stand for the word, you might see persecution. 
That's Mark chapter 4. Now, any candidate, I don't care what gender they are, I'm telling you, if they're okay for same-sex marriage, they're anti-Bible. If they're for <clears throat> killing unborn babies, they're against the seed of the living God. And you're sowing something and you're going to reap a harvest. And it may not be us. It may be our grandkids or our kids because we just sit back and say, oh, we're not going to say anything or, or this one will bring better gain in this area of my life. I don't care. That's what I say. I see in the church, here, I love you. I'm not mad. I'm happy, happy, happy. He's a good, good God. But if we can step one step away from the word of God and say, well, in this area, it's different. Then you know what we find ourselves doing? Then we start here and then we're here and then we're here. Because anything that brings separation and hatred and, and murder is not God's love. And I shouldn't partner with it. Only, only if I believe the word is true. Only if I want to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Because if I'm just a hearer and I go, well, that's good, but that doesn't apply to me. Then he says here in James, he, he, here's what he said. For he observes himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues. Continues what? Not just doing, but continues looking in the perfect law of liberty, the word of God. As I continue to look in there, he said this, and continues, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This one will be blessed in what he does. Now, I, I don't even have to ask you to raise your hand if you want to be blessed in what you do. If you don't want to be blessed in what you do, there's other prayer requests we have for you. It's just that simple. Everyone, I don't care what you're doing, you want to be blessed in what you do. You don't want to be cursed, right? I, I, didn't, I, I just want to make sure. You don't want to be cursed because cursed is death, separation, dying, nothing good in curse, everything good in blessing. He said, this man will be blessed. Romans 10.8 says this, but what does it say? The word is near you. This is the rhema. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we speak. So he said this, when I get the logos in my heart and I become a doer of the logos, not a doer of works to be pleasing to God, you're as accepted before God as you'll ever be because of what Jesus did. But as I see the word of God and I apply it to my life and I begin to make changes to my life that lines up with the word of God, can we all agree there's areas we all can grow in? So that doesn't mean that you're out in some deep, dark sin. It just means there's areas in my life I can grow. And when I look into the perfect word of God and I see there are areas I can change and I start making adjustments, not to be pleasing to God, but because I want to live a life that, that reflects who I love. As I do that, that word takes root in my heart. And he said here in Romans 10, but what do, does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we speak. Romans 10, 17 says this, same chapter, a few verses down. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the rhema, the speaking word of God. So what is he saying? He's saying this, that as I get the Logos in my heart, as I plant that word of God in my heart, I meditate on the word of God, that God, this is what you said. You said that you give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he talks a lot about financial seed and financial giving. And we're not going to go there today. We will really soon. But in there, he's constantly talking about if you see yourself as a steward, then what you see is what I have is not mine. I have an opportunity not to hold on but to release. Because the more I release, the more he'll put in my hand to let go of. And it's that word, when, I, when it makes that transition from just head knowledge to heart knowledge, that I begin to speak from my heart, it's then, when I make that declaration from my heart, it's then that the, the Holy Spirit is, has joined with me. And what did John say he was? But when the comforter, the one, the paraclete, the one called alongside to be with you has come, he will teach you. So it's then that I'm not working my own work, I'm now... I've planted the seed in my heart, and I'm declaring God's word. And Isaiah said, he said what? My word will prosper where I send it. Right? Matthew 4, 4, Jesus speaking, pretty important, right, in red. He said this, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds out of my mouth. Every word that proceeds out of my mouth. See, here's what I believe. I believe the Logos is the seed that's planted in our heart. And from that, God will give us a rhema, a speaking word from the Holy Spirit to make a declaration over our lives. And so when things around us look different than what he said in his word, our words of faith will be what he says, and that's what shifts atmosphere. That's what brings healing to sick bodies, deliverance from those who are oppressed. Who said, he said that that's what we'll do. He said, you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will recover. You'll speak with new tongues. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. You'll lay hands on the sick. You'll cast out devils. You'll raise the dead. How do we do that? Because the word of God has taken root on the inside of me. I won't won't turn to the right nor to the left when I see the word of God and know that here's what he said and here's what he's told us to do. Here's a passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 that has both the Logos and the Rhema in it. So what are you saying? Why are you just Logos, Rhema? Because I want you to understand, there's the, Jesus is the Word. This is tautology. And I, I can back it up in Scripture. I don't have a verse, one verse I can hang it on, but I can back it up in Scripture by what we see. You have John 14 and what he said about Holy Spirit when he comes. But I believe Jesus is the Logos and Holy Spirit is the Rhema. I believe Jesus is that, lo- that written, revealed word of God and Holy Spirit is the one who comes and declares to us who Jesus is and what this promise means to us. And as we agree with the Holy Spirit and we say the same thing, then it releases faith and it shifts things in the natural. 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 says this, Since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word, the logos of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as a flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word, the rhema, the speaking word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the rhema, the word which by the gospel was preached to you. 
This is the rhema by which the gospel was preached to you. So what is he saying? This is the spirit by which the gospel was preached to you. Jesus is the logos, right? And he said right here, it's the logos, the word of God is that incorruptible seed that's planted in our heart that gets us born again. And he said, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The speaking, declaring word of the Lord, the rhema of God, it endures forever. And he said, now this is that rhema which by the gospel was preached to you that was proclaimed to you, that declaring, that speaking word of God. That's who he is. I've got it in Matthew 13, so in my notes here. So turn to Matthew 13, verse 18. This is Jesus describing the parable. He's explaining the parable of the soils. It's in Mark chapter 4, Luke, Matthew 13, Luke 8. All are parallel passages that have these accounts in them. You know what's amazing to me? We're talking about the seed. I told you, this day that Jesus taught this in Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, it was the most recorded teaching uh, uh, of Jesus' life that we have in a single day. Does that make sense? It's the most recorded in Scripture of everything Jesus said in a single day. There's 10 parables he spoke. Do you know that out of the 10 parables he gave, four deal with the seed? So in this day that we have more recorded about what Jesus said in all of history, 40% of what he said dealt with the seed. I think that's significant. 40% of what he had to say that day dealt with a seed. You know what's so beautiful about a seed? You don't do anything to make a seed work. You just put it in good ground. You know what's so beautiful about this parable of the soils? Is this, less is more. Stay, Stay with me. Wake up. Less is more. That's an amen point right there. What do you mean? The soil that was good soil had less in it. So it's not more that you do. It's the, the more that it's, it's not there, just keeping everything out. You, you can do less, right? Everybody in here can excel to do less. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Matthew 13, verse 18 says this, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand... The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is the, he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when per- tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Did you hear that? He becomes unfruitful. This is the one that saddens me the most, I think. Because what does that mean? He becomes unfruitful. You know what it means at some point in time? He was fruitful. Verse 23, but he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Now, I just want to define a few words, and I'll let you go today. (laughs) Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom... And does not understand, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. The word understand there, listen, this is so important. The, word under, the Greek word there, it literally means this, to put together. To put together. 
So what do you mean? So when we hear the word of God in a setting like this, or we're reading our Bible and God speaks a word to us and we put it together with what that looks like in our lives practically, then we won't lose it. But if we don't put it together, if we just hear it and go, oh, that's a good word. Preach, preacher, come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? If that's what we do, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if we don't put it together, then we walk out and it's, it's separated and it's gone. He'll snatch it. It doesn't even have a chance to take root. It gets snatched away. Why? Because we don't say, man, that's a good word for me. See, there's a difference in saying that's a good word and that's a good word for me. Huge difference. You know the difference? Death and life. Because when I say that's a word for me, then I've planted it and I'm giving it opportunity to take root. Listen to this. Here's another definition of the word understand. So it's to put it together. Here's the other one. It means this, to have an intelligent grasp of something that challenges one's thinking or practice. So when I understand the word of God, how many of you know the word of God can challenge you? If it's not, you're reading the wrong book. Point blank. It will challenge you. It'll give you opportunities for growth every time you read it. And so it says this right here. The definition of that word literally means that I have a grasp of something that challenges my thinking or my practice. When I hear the word and I go, that's not what I've been doing. Hmm. So what am I going to do with it? Am I going to keep doing what I'm doing? You know what? Then I just become religious because I have a truth stored here, but I have no practical expression of it in my life anywhere. So when I hear it, now I can, I can uh, agree with it because I know it's true, but the life of it has been snatched away from me because I never planted it. Does that make sense? It's just snatched away. And it's not that it died of crop failure. It just snatched away because it didn't have time to root because I didn't go, man, this challenges. When Tina brought something to my attention just the other day, I think it was Friday, I had to make a decision. This challenges the way I think the way I've been thinking. I, and this is the word, so I need, to, I need to make an adjustment. Does it mean all of a sudden I made the adjustment and everything was beautiful and the sun came out and it was a beautiful day? No. Sometimes you've got to put that wrongful thinking down. <laughs> Preach, preacher. You're telling truth right now. I'll keep going. Verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy. So this time he took it in, right? He was excited about the word. She was excited about the word she heard. Receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. You see, this is, I think, what typifies what Jesus talked about, about the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church. It was that church that knew the word but didn't stand in the word. And, and that's where I see, I'm not, I'm not anti-church, I'm for church, okay? But when, when I see, the, when I say church, I don't just mean a building where people gather. I mean the ecclesia, the body of Christ, the called out ones, those who've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. When I say church, that's my reference point, not buildings that people gather in. Not denominations. Are you with me? So he said here that the word, they received it with joy. They were excited. But when persecution, 
or tribulation and persecution came because of the word, when we stand up and say abortion is wrong 100% of the time. When we say same-sex marriage is wrong 100% of the time, we don't hate anyone, we hate sin and what it does to people. Are you with me? When we take that stand and tribulation or persecution comes, here's what tribulation means. It means pressure or trouble or suffering because of the word. It says that if you're not rooted and grounded, if that's not in deep soil, that you know that word to be true, not just for somebody else, but for you, that it's not going to stand. What, uh, persecution means this, to systematically organize a program to oppress and harass people. Does that sound familiar? People would say that's the church. Those out there would say that's the church. They have, they have systematically organized to pro- a program to oppress and harass people. No, it's not the church, but there are those in the world today with agendas who say it's our job to snuff out the church. It's our priority. It's not just about our rights. It's about stamping out these religious fanatics. That is persecution. We in this country haven't seen a whole lot of it. Say what you want to. Yes, we have people who talk about us. We have people who try to take away our religious freedoms, who twist... uh, what? Anyway, I'm not getting into government. Okay, moving right along. Now, he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Cares means this, a feeling of apprehension or distress, anxiety, worry, anxious concern. This is the one the Lord is dealt with me so much about because perfect love casts out fear he said for me to cast the whole of my care over on him because he cares for me so if I'm carrying care anxiety worry uh, what does it say anxious concern about anything that means I'm allowing that care to choke the word hear me If I'm carrying that care, if I'm worrying about that thing, it's literally choking the word that I may be trying to believe. It's choking it because I'm setting my attention on worry and unbelief. Oh, me, amen. That's oh, me for me because I've seen it. Deceitfulness of riches. Here's what deceitfulness means, to to cause someone to have misleading or erroneous views concerning a truth. And I think he, he attached it to riches because especially in the world we live in today, there is a deceitfulness about money. It says if you have money, you're secure. If you have money, everything is better. That's a lie. Look at the richest, the most wealthy people in the world. They're not the happiest people in the world. There's a deceitfulness to riches. If your trust is in money, and that's what Jesus taught about with the rich young ruler. It wasn't that he hated money or that he wanted the rich young ruler to be poor. It wasn't that at all. It was that he wanted the rich young ruler to see that money had him. The word choke there means to strangle completely, to drown, or to crowd out. Oh, me. And he said, you'll become unfruitful. The word become there means to cause to be. So there was a point in our lives. And you know, here's what I believe. I believe, I believe that the four soils 
identifies different mindsets of people. I also believe it identifies a journey that we walk on. I also believe that there are areas in our life that we walk in and out of. That's clear as mud, right? Here's what I'm saying. I believe there are people that you can identify that in the church today, in this building, all right, we'll say in this building today, they're in all four of those soils. There's some that'll hear it really good and go, man, that's good. And then they walk out and they go, I don't know what he said, because right now I'm just, I'm trying to make it happen. And we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. There are others who will hear the word and they go, man, I know that's true. But if I say that, or if I do that, then people are going to persecute me. And I might lose my friends. I could lose my job. I could yada, yada, yada. And they go, I'm just not at that place right now. Then there are those who say, I believe the word, and I, I know the word is true, but then they allow cares and deceitfulness of riches to choke out the power of the word in their life. And you know what they'll do? They'll go back and go, God, where are you? And I want to tell you, I've been in every one of these. And what's sad is that many times I see myself visiting them. I would love to say I've arrived at good soil, and that's where I am. Oh, come I lay hands on you. I, I would say I live more in good soil than I do in that which the weeds are choking out and that which is just thorny. Uh, I mean, that which is just shallow. But I'm going to tell you, just being honest, in the life that we live, if I don't stay focused on him, I see myself as, as these soils. Does that make sense to anybody other than me? And as we... Spend time with him as we allow the Logos, the word of God, to really take root in our heart when we go, you know what, God? Your word is true. No matter what it looks like right now, your word is true. Know what anyone else says, your word is true. And he said in, in 1 Peter that if, if I believe your word, then I'll walk in authentic love toward my brothers. Here's the beautiful thing about love. Love unites and it divides. That sounds contradictory. Love unites people to life, and it divides people from death. So when I look at something, John 10, 10 said, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. God gave us a plumb line. Stealing, killing, and destroying is the devil. Life and abundant life is God. So if I can look at situations, circumstances in people's life, and I see stealing, killing, and destroying, if I love them enough, I want to divide them from that destruction in their life. But you know what? That's not always received with a big kiss. But it's still our responsibility to, if we really love those. Does that make sense? Not if we're mad at them, but if we really love them. Then we say, I'm going to stand on this word because here's what I know. He said, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed, time, and harvest. And if I plant the seed of the living God in my life, it will not fail. When we fail, it's when we get lost in time and we allow the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, or persecution or tribulation to choke the life out of the, the word that's bringing forth fruit in our lives. Does that make sense? No, this is not a sad day. This is a happy day. It's a happy day because there might be situations in our lives when we go, man, why does it feel like I just keep hitting my head against the wall? And I'm telling you, I didn't even get into everything I, I wanted to say, but I think I said what needed to be said. And that's it. There has to be that place where we look into this perfect law of liberty. And isn't that beautiful? It's not the law of bondage. It's the law of liberty. 
Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Here's what I know about human nature. When we look at something that hurts to look at, we choose, we make a choice not to look at it again. And if anybody brings it up, we go, oh, I can't look there. Instead of looking at it and going, God doesn't want me in bondage to that, he's given me freedom. And I'm going to look at that and declare my freedom. That's boldness. That's faith. That's saying, God, I believe your word above any situation or any circumstance I see. And I'm going to declare your word because you cannot fail. Amen. Let's stand.